The following is a chapter reading of the Worm Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com or by donating to his Patreon at patreon.com wildbow. Arc 29. Venom. 29.6. Weaver, Cuff said. Her voice was pitched low enough that Sater wouldn't hear. I turned my head her way to acknowledge her. Sater seemed to be preoccupied, sitting on a stair, picking something out of a groove in his golden belt. Dried blood? You're doing that crazy mastermind thing again, Cuff said. Which crazy mastermind thing? Where you talk to the other masterminds and one of you leaves something unsaid and the other knows what that thing is without asking? Who's here? Zion, Sater said. You heard me? Cuff asked. Then, after a pause, she asked, Scion? I spoke up. Leonid's power set includes the ability to hear everything in a certain range. That means everything, regardless of intervening obstacles, interference, or distracting noises and volume. I can hear your heartbeats, Leonid said. He was a lean, young, twenty-something, with long golden hair and a mask with a lion motif. His upper body was draped in a black, skin-tight, sleeveless bodysuit, his legs in loose-fitting pants. Complex-looking gauntlets and boots encased his extremities, each tipped with wicked six-inch claws. Not quite what he'd worn when he was on the Vegas Protectorate team. His eyes roved from cuff to imp. I can hear your heartbeat speed up when you look at particular people. Sater can tell you he already tried the seduction angle with his copies, I said. Leonid grinned behind his mask. Sater was doing it to distract you. I'm not like that. I'm one of the active guys. It's like how a magician shows one hand, all action, style, and flourish to get your attention. He gestured toward Sater. And the other hand is busy with the trick. Hate to break it to you, but I'm genuine when I make a move. Yet you're all man at the end of the day, Imp said. Imp, I spoke, my tone a warning. Leonid only smirked in reply. Florette, for her part, cleared her throat. You're from Vegas, right? Just because you dress like a woman doesn't mean... Sater, I cut her off. You think Scion's here. Is he down there with the doctor? He entered through the same gateway we did, Sater said. I imagine he's somewhere upstairs. It was always one of Cauldron's greatest concerns that Scion could make his way here through one of their doorways. Why? Cauldron's plan B, their plan C, even plans D, E, and F, if things had gone without a hitch, they would have been deployed from this facility. Perhaps there's a one in a million chance one of the plans potentially works. If they don't, then perhaps they buy the rest of us some time, and a third party figures out a solution. Or perhaps they get close and Cauldron uses the time that remains to refine their approach and the idea. The prisoners, all the people upstairs, Cuff said, trailing off. Plan B. Also plan D, if you count the more unnatural deviants, Sater said. Except Scion is now here and he's here now. All the plans will be forced into effect at once, rendered into little more than alphabet soup. To top it off, the architect of those plans is out of reach. I looked at the solid metal wall. Cuff? Cuff focused on the metal barrier. I can tell from here. It's a lot of metal. I don't know how they did it. It's all one solid piece. They did it with powers, Sater said. 
a column with a panic room dead center. When they retreated inside, they pulled a switch, and the entire substructure dropped 2,500 feet below ground, putting the upper end of the column between us and them. Florette shrugged. We could handle a computer, a lock, even a vault, no sweat. But not this. The plan was to wait for the group on the other side of the facility to forge their way through the steel, or around the steel, but someone gave the custodian a tinker-made super death knife, and, well... That was me, I said. Nothing to do with the custodian. Ah, well, Sater said. Good and bad to any situation. We'll be able to assert control over that group more easily, with their leadership dead. And there won't be a great chance that they'll take the good doctor out before we can get a word in. But progress will be slower, and we don't have much time to spare. It was a relief, on one level, that he didn't seem interested in making a fuss over it. He'd set Spur and Nix in the way to keep people from interfering with his group's infiltration, but he seemed fully capable of accepting that there was a snarl in his plan. I knew it was hypothetical, but a part of me was bothered by that. I didn't want him to be able to take this in stride. I didn't want a lack of communication, conflicting plans, and intergroup issues to be the norm when the stakes were this high. Sater was the type that thrived because he anticipated such. Maybe I was, too. Sater looked at the wall to his left. The remaining members of the Irregulars and their digging party have just arrived at the far end of this column. If we go up one floor, we can cross to the other staircase and make our way down to pay them a visit. Given that the group watching their rear is compromised, I don't think we'll have any problems taking control of that situation. If we leave now and walk briskly, we'll arrive in eight minutes, Florette said. My details person, Sater said. Would you believe it? My tone was dry as I replied. Somehow, I'm not surprised. Details would be Florette's thing. She didn't look it, with bright pink hair, green roots, and a costume of metal leaves that left little to the imagination. Her costume philosophy was the antithesis of my own. But Florette wasn't a fighter, even less than I was. She could take a minute or two to create a bud. The bud would then unfold into a complex crystalline shape after a set time, or upon impact with the surface. They were limited in terms of their size, no more than a foot across, but they were rich in potential, with crude applications on a molecular scale. Typically stylized to look like flowers, the crystals could bond to surfaces, set touched things on fire, cancel out chemical reactions, or just fuck with tinker devices. As a teenager, she had a career as a roving lockpick for villain heist teams, creating keys and fake keycards with cloned magnetic strips to varying degrees of failure. It was only when she joined the Vegas team that she found others with a degree of forethought, planning, and teamwork that could let her power truly shine. Her power only worked because of her secondary power, and her secondary power was the big reason she fit in so well with the Vegas team, an enhanced awareness and processing ability regarding fine detail. She picked up on the little things. All of the little things. Sater leaned back, then rolled forward, getting to his feet without using his hands. I assume you're coming? Yes, I said. If only to make sure you don't pull something. More bodies against Scion. Bodies don't matter, Sater said as he led the way. One, ten, a thousand. It doesn't make a big difference. Speaking of bodies, where the hell is Scion? There wasn't even any noise. Was Sater fibbing? No, it didn't jibe. 
not with the aura of defeat, not with the circumstance, with what Tattletale had said. They were good at the con, but not that good. I changed the subject. Can I ask where the heroes are? Revel, Exalt, and Vantage? With Nyx and Spur, Sater said. Most likely disguised as a rock or a bulge in the cave wall. Blowout hit them in full stunning presence. They should still be out. I see, I said, trying not to reveal how surprised I was. We'd walked right by the captive heroes. That wasn't the big issue. Blowout was. He wasn't as stylish or attractive as the others, with a featureless mask that had a single eye at the brow, his head shaved. His armor panels had lights that slowly rotated from one color to another, like a chitsy car stereo, unassuming when he wasn't engaged in a fight. When he was, the lights would be flaring, muscles would be standing out, and there would be noise, shock, and awe involved. Blowout wasn't a tinker. He had telekinetically assisted strength, which meant that when he was hoisting a car over his head, he was doing it with his mind more than with his arms. The strength and durability increased with the size of the audience and the reactions he got from them. His secondary power was the effect he had on his enemies, feeding on the same reactions that fueled his strength to new heights and leaving his targets stunned, reacting slower, taking longer to pick themselves up off the ground. On paper, he was the case in point of what Leonid had been talking about, the hand that distracts while the other hand sets up the trick. But, as Florette suggested, it was something of a thing for Vegas capes to have secondary powers that were actually the real power in practice. Or maybe it was that Sater tended to encourage a focus on the secondary powers, or a development of those same powers. There was nothing on record about a long-term use of Blowout's power like Sater had described. It would be a card he'd kept up his sleeve when he wasn't doing something behind the scenes with the Vegas capes. I was put in mind of a few of the records and events that hadn't quite fit. They'd checked, retroactively, for drugs, and found none. They'd checked for any remainder of Florette's creations, and again, they'd found nothing. But if it was Blowout, if he was the reason people had been left with amnesia, brain damage, and even brain death, then that gave me a bunch of new reasons to worry about the Protectorate heroes we'd left behind. A reason to watch our backs. I just had to wrap my head around how he might have done this so discreetly, when his power required the obvious and blatant. Satyr's duplicates, maybe? Did the copies count as a crowd? Something to keep in mind, and I had to inform my teammates without Leonid knowing. I glanced at the leader of the Vegas mercenaries, noting how quiet he was as he ascended the stairs. He didn't seem worried about anything. Not us, not Scion, not the riot above. Was I like that when I was in the zone? Almost wanting to push him outside of his comfort zone, I said, I expected you to ask about your teammates. Spur and Nix, they're capable enough. If you've done something horrific to them, then informing me won't help us in the here and now. I'll have my revenge at a later date all the same. Fair, I said. No effect. I let Sater maintain the lead of the group and determine our pace as we moved forward. He had eyes on the other group with his duplicates, and he had Florette passing information to him with the subtle sign language the group had adopted. It worked. If we arrived too early, we'd be interrupting the Irregulars before they were through the steel barrier. If we arrived late, we'd be running the risk that the Doctor would be killed. For now, I was happy to let them manage that aspect of the plan, while I focused on keeping an eye out for the inevitable stab in the back. It just didn't flow, their attitude now compared to how they'd tried to cover their tracks earlier.
I knew who they were, and I'd seen the records detailing whole strings of crimes. And I wasn't willing to believe they were playing ball with us. So I watched them, and Florette watched me, because her power was perfectly suited to following what my swarm was doing from moment to moment. I don't like him, Rachel murmured in my ear. Imp leaned in to join the conversation, adding, You do know that Leonid can hear everything that's said in a certain area around him. There's no point in whispering. As if she hadn't just found that out for herself. I don't like him, Rachel said, full volume. That's not what I meant, Imp said, a little caught off guard. He's arrogant, he talks too much, and he acts like Tattletail does when she's trying to pretend she's not in a really bad mood, Rachel said. It's a rare thing, Sater said, for someone to leave me speechless. I can tell you that virtually everyone comes to like me when they get to know me. Everyone likes the manipulative of assholes after they've had a chance to do their manipulating, Rachel said. I couldn't extend that to Weaver there and suggest the same thing applies to her? You could try, Rachel said. But then I'd have my dogs attack you. All right, I said, stepping in. No more of that. Rachel glowered at me. He's a weasel, Lung growled. I have allied with a man who talks like he does, but it was a man of substance, not sex and... Subtlety? Imp offered. Scandal? Style? Sophistry? Where is she learning these words? Lung only glowered at Imp. As substanceless a person as he might be, I said. Scion's upstairs, and we have overlapping goals, so we're allies. or as close to being allies as we're going to get. No fighting. Rachel relaxed, as though she'd flipped a mental switch. She snapped her fingers twice, getting her dog's attention, and then made a gesture without moving her hand from her side, her palm facing the ground. The dogs eased up, just like she had. I glanced at Sater, who shrugged. His tone was light as he said, my ego's taking a bruising today, it seems. I could see the lines of his shoulders and chest, with him not wearing any armor on the upper body. Was he maybe just a bit less relaxed than Rachel at this point? Maybe he wasn't at ease around someone who blithely barreled past any attempts at manipulation with unbridled aggression. A point for us, maybe. We'd reached the fourth floor. I stood by, watching for trouble from above, while the others filed through. I could see how Canary was ill at ease, while Shadowstalker was impossible to read in her ghostly state, passing through the wall by the door. Cuff and Long were both rigid, as if anticipating fights, but were confident enough to walk ahead of the rest. Gollum, Rachel, and Imp seemed more in their element, hanging back while the Vegas capes passed through. You know what you're doing? Gollum murmured as he hung back with me. I nodded. Mostly. Just watch your back. For Zion? For them, I said. And yes, I know Leonid hears me. I know Sater and the others are getting the cliff notes from Leonid. But they've got secondary goals here, and it's worth watching out in case they try something. Even if they know we know they're trying something. There were nods all around. Four copies of the custodian appeared before us as we made our way into the fourth floor. Each moved slightly out of sync with the others as they moved their heads, it was only when the third and fourth moved that I realized just how they were moving their heads, raising their chins to look up. I know, my dear, Sater said. How close? They didn't respond. Instead, they disappeared. First one pair, then the remaining pair. 
Second floor basement, Sater said. Sion is taking his time making his way down. Why? I asked. It was too quiet. If Sion wanted, he could have torn his way through here in a heartbeat. Sater was on point as we made our way across the fourth floor. The cells here were reinforced several times over, each standalone, separated by tracks of empty space that 18-wheeler trucks could have turned around in. Spotlights served as the only light in the area, and they were focused on the individual cells, leaving the empty space between the cells dark. Without my relay bugs, my powers still didn't quite reach the far end. A third of a mile across by a third of a mile across, maybe, with ceilings that were 15 feet high. The lights flickered more violently than they had upstairs or in the stairwells. But these cells seemed to be drawing on a backup power source. The lights flickered, went out, only to be turned back on, glowing a dim red before the regular power was restored. The lighting cycled between the three states, with no rhyme or reason. Why? Seder echoed my question. I turned my attention back to him. Why do you think he's taking his time? That's not helpful, I said. Basic reasoning, Seder said. What do we have in abundance here? Capes? Gollum asked. Capes? Yes, but there were capes at the other battlefields. It's very possible he's idling because he's taking them all to pieces, but... For however many minutes. No, what else is in abundance? Or, to phrase it better, what particular kind of cape is in abundance here that you didn't have at the battlefield? I get the feeling you already know the answer, I said. He nodded, the goat-horned helm dipping low, then rising. The lights went out, then went red for a moment. Case 53s. Gollum answered the question. There we go, Sater said. And if you care to, you can infer further. Why? Scion is the supposed source of powers, yes? Then what are the deviants to him? If we see them as distorted people, then he sees them as... Distorted powers? Cuff answered. Or whatever they are to him. Distorted spawn? Something foul. Shadowstalker spoke for the first time since we'd split up to escape the cell. Broken. Wrong. Loathsome. Damaged. And no parent wants to face the fact that their kids came out less than perfect. The sphere imp had tucked under one shoulder jerked a little. Whoa, Cuff said. Generalizations much? Tell me I'm wrong, Shadowstalker said. She glanced at Sater. I'm right. Calder created these deviants as a kind of psychological warfare. Most definitely part of it, Sater said, and there was an approving note in his voice. It's psychological warfare. Shadowstalker, was it? Shadowstalker nodded. Yes, I've heard of you. There are other elements at play. Prey species have been known to spread their scent through an area to confuse predators. I like that analogy, Shadowstalker said. Mm-hmm. He responded, nonchalant. So, Cauldron uses these deviants as a particularly strong source of our metaphorical smell. They scatter them across the world where Cauldron is most active, the world Scion occupies, and he loses the ability to sniff them out. Of course, this only works when the deviant isn't going to draw undue attention. Either they're calm and inclined to keep to their own, by nature, or so dangerous that they remove witnesses by default. My eyes moved to the sphere Imp carried. I was inclined to think she fit in with the latter category. It makes sense, I said. 
My eyes were on Shadowstalker. She was playing into Seder's hands. I'd made a note to watch out for it, but this wasn't even subtle. They were fucking blatant about this shit. Relentless. Which probably worked for them because it eventually worked. They found a hook, an angle, maybe played it in a more subtle way, or they'd just take it and run with it. And it was all controlled, all managed, keeping it at a level where I couldn't call them out on it without looking like I wasn't willing to play ball. That was fine on its own, but it put us on a bad footing. I didn't want to be in the middle of a brawl if and when Scion made a sudden appearance. Collar and Capes have, according to reports, gotten responses from Scion. A pause, a momentary break in pattern, even, some say, a feeling of aversion. Powerful Cauldron Capes achieve better results, deviance even more so. And if the effect scales up as Cauldron thinks it might, the extreme deviance will get an even greater result, while having powers that may have some effect on him. Which makes a lot of sense, I said. They're a smokescreen, maybe, except there's a hole in that theory. There is, Sater said. He could wipe them out with one shot, Gollum said, the first to connect the dots. He could shoot them and shoot through the floor if he wanted to. Exactly right, Sater said. Do you know why he isn't? I asked. I have guesses, nothing more, Sater said. Hmm. They just found a way of combining their powers. They're breaking through the column more quickly than I thought they would. We don't have to run, but maybe hurry a bit. We stepped up our pace. He's on the third floor, Sater said. Floor above us. How do you know? Shadowstalker asked. Custodian, we've crossed paths, as my group ran some errands for the good doctor. I think she likes me, even. I hadn't noticed the custodian, but I wasn't positive I would have seen her if the appearance was brief enough. What's on the third floor? Flora asked. I haven't been down here. The ones with names. Any capes they deemed interesting enough to keep and research. Not many left. I think they scaled down on those to focus on other things. Not many left. Meaning there wasn't much standing in the way between us and Scion. If Sater's group wasn't playing with us, I was less sure than I had been. Supposedly Scion above. Who's below? Who's with the doctor? I asked. Ask her, he said, pointing to Imp. I glanced at Imp, who shrugged. In the sphere, Sater said. There's a button on the bottom. If you depress it, you can rotate hemispheres. Counterclockwise, please. Clockwise opens it, and I'd rather not die. Imp looked my way. Go for it, I said. Imp turned the sphere. Finally, fresh air, the girl inside said. She had a quiet voice, more the type of voice I'd connect to a shy librarian at a party or a sheltered preacher's daughter in the company of boys. Sveta? I asked. We met on the oil rig. She goes by Garot, Sater said. The only reason the PRT didn't put her down was because she's rather hard to kill. She has quite an impressive body count. Don't say that. She was part of the original invading party, Sater went on, ignoring her. They attacked the doctor, setting this whole mess in motion. I could hear everything you guys were saying, the girl said. It was only when she said the longer word, everything, that I noticed the rasp to her voice. It would be part of the reason for her being quiet. Who's with the doctor? I asked. The other stairwell was in view. When things went bad, it was Weld, me, 
Brick House, Gentle Giant, and six others who turned around and protected her. I wasn't very useful. She trailed off. A second passed. Need a bit more information, Sater said. I'm hurt, she said, and there was a plaintive note in her voice. She sounded more like a canary than a shadow stalker. Not quite the voice of a killer. Suck it up, Sater said. Scion's coming, and we need to know what we're walking into. Brick took the guy blessed brained against a wall. Um, it was the clairvoyant, the doormaker, hurt. Uh, the doctor? Brickhouse, Magnet, Monstro, they made it inside. The others got shot down in the stairwell. Um, there was a guy with glasses and five teenagers who looked a lot like him, only without glasses. Ordinary looking, pretty much. Alexandria... Hmm. Sater made a noise. He looked up. In that same moment, the lights flickered out for the umpteenth time. The emergency lights didn't come on. I could sense my teammates, Shadowstalker, Canary, and Lung closing ranks. Weaver? Sater asked. He split in two. A slow, oozing process. A lump swelling, pulling free, then forming features— the arms and legs were quick enough, and the details followed, but the new him had no helmet, but slowly reshaped his exterior to match the original satyr's costume. If you keep doing that, I'm going to have to attack, I said. What's he doing? Canary asked. There was a note of panic in her voice. Splitting up, I said. I willed Canary to pull it together. Satyr bulged, clearly preparing to make another double. I called out. Sater, I might have to rephrase. If you finish making that copy, I'm going to attack you. He can't stop once he started, Florette said. It's a drawback. I don't buy that at all, I said. So either you need to be more convincing, or I'm wrong, and Sater has to learn how to cancel a copy in progress in the next five seconds. The bulge stopped growing more parts. It began retreating into Sater. We need to talk, Weaver. Sater said, still distorted, withdrawing the mass into himself. Imp spoke up. Why is it always Weaver you need to talk to? Never, we need to talk Rachel. Shut up, you idiot. Sater snarled the words. There's no time for foolishness. Idiot? Foolishness? What is it, Sater? I asked. I've got to ask about your goals. Ah. I said. Nothing complicated? Saving the doctor? Getting answers? Stopping Scion? I found my knife, beneath the staircase suspended by the threads I'd tied to the surrounding area. I set my swarm to retrieving it. We couldn't see, but Florette shouldn't be able to either. I always had a hard time trusting anyone who doesn't have ulterior motives, Sater said. And now, here, I dearly wish you had some. Sorry, I said. If you hadn't noticed, a lot of us are pretty blunt here. Straightforward. Our goals are what they appear to be. I really wish you could trust us. And I wish I couldn't, he said. Funny how that works. I sensed Blowout pacing a bit to our left. Florette had her hand cupped, like she was ready to throw one of her things. I gathered the swarm, sensed her head tilt a fraction. Listening? How much noise could thirty bugs make? Or rather, how much noise could 30 bugs make in an audible spectrum? No. 
That didn't make sense. Florette sensed details without even trying. She was faking me out, no doubt. Distracting so someone else could pull something. Leonid was utterly still, no doubt focusing on the various sounds. On heartbeats and breathing. The creaks of our muscles moving and joints shifting. He was the one to watch. He'd said it himself. He was the hand that drew the attention so the others could pull their tricks. Which didn't make him any less threatening. Secondary powers of sound detection and sound manipulation. Adjusting select things to be up to twice as loud or absolutely silent. It gave him a stranger classification. A thinker classification. His third power was a mover power. Don't do this, Sater. It's insanity, I said. Your being here fucks it all up, Weaver. There's too much danger that you'd agree with us. That we'd have the same objectives regarding the doctor. There was a distant detonation. A rumbling passed through the complex. What are your motives? I asked. Do you want to help her or hurt her? Yes, said Sater. That's not an answer. I thought you said there's no time. There isn't, he said. Sater, I don't know what's going on, but you've been playing this game of tricks and subterfuge so long you've all forgotten how to walk a straight line. Oh, I remember, he said. We remember. So you're just going to stand here idly threatening us until Scion attacks? That can't be right. You've lost your mind. Something with your power messing with your heads. You've got it wrong. Powers from a bottle, they mess with your body. Subtle things, but stuff you notice. Huh. The last conversation I had with Pretender, he brought it up. Joked. Time, I told him. Ah, oh, well. It's you natural triggers who get a little bent in the head here and there. Isn't that right, Miss Lint? My heart dropped out of my chest. I closed my eyes. Yeah, Rachel said, her voice quiet. I clenched my teeth. That's right, she went on, a little louder. Shadowstalker, you too, believe it or not. I've seen your record. Your attitude? It's not wholly your own. Bull. I've worked with worse. I could give you direction. Honestly, with this shit you're pulling now, you sound fucking crazy. Shadowstalker and I are agreeing on this count, I said. Trust me when I said that's a bad sign. If we're going to resolve this, it'll have to be soon, Sater said. You keep doing that, I told him, telling us how little time we have than delaying, forcing us into a corner. Another half chuckle, wry. You're not making any sense, Sater, I said. He only offered another short laugh. You want us to fight you, to stop you. Probably for the best, he said. No, it's not. I said, we need help. We can't be distracted by... Enough of this. Lung growled the words. No, I said, but I was too late. Flames erupted around his claws. It cast light on us, on our surroundings. With the light, Florette could see my knife off to one side. I hadn't been planning to use it to attack, but I'd wanted it in hand before we descended. She slung one butt at it, encased it in crystal. It hit the ground at the base of a cell by a spotlight. Leonid screamed double volume, and it was an eerie, echoing scream that bounced through the area, each echo lower in pitch than the last. Not that he needed it to reach that far. Each echo of the scream coincided with a fraction of him fading out of existence. 
simultaneously phasing those parts of him in behind our group. Canary had started to sing, nervous, but Leonid faded in behind her. Two seconds to teleport. Rachel raised her hand to her mouth to whistle. No sound came out. I turned, opened my mouth to shout, but Leonid had muted us. I pointed instead, but Canary didn't get my meaning. Rachel couldn't get her dog's attention with snaps or whistles. Leonid reached out with his claw up for her throat, and Rachel tackled him, grabbing his wrists. Canary was entirely unawares up until one of them kicked her ankle in the struggles. Shadowstalker and Lung engaged two of the remaining Vegas capes. Blowout stepped in the way, protecting Florette. And through some unseen signal, some practiced maneuver, he knew to duck as she flung buds at the pair. One unfolded in the air, tagging Shadowstalker in her shadow state, and she crumpled. The other hit Lung. Foot-long tendrils extended from his right pectoral to his right arm, binding to each. Blowout hit the tethered Lung. Maybe he wouldn't have been strong enough to affect Lung normally, but the audacity of it and our reactions to that went a long way in giving him a little extra kick. Sater forced another copy out in record time as the one charged me. I set my bugs on it. On her. My double. She didn't have my powers. She was strong. Tougher. She closed the distance to me with ease, with a runner's strength. So I moved the bugs to the original Sater. That bare chest. The eye holes in his helmet. I attacked Florette and Leonid and all the other capes who had exposed skin. Gollum's hand knocked her aside. Cuff charged the one Sater had just created. Even at this juncture, I knew it wasn't an even fight. Sater had outright admitted his team wasn't a match for ours in a brawl. Canary tentatively stepped on Leonid's right hand. Rachel's dogs got his legs. He screamed, and that sound wasn't muted. He began to phase out, reappearing by Sater. He climbed to his feet. We outnumbered them. We had better combat powers. The outcome wasn't in doubt. Which made Imp's maneuver all the more insane. She stepped into the middle of the group and held the sphere high, rotated it, then rotated it back. Sound resumed around us as Leonid dismissed the silence effect. Don't, 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 a voice was saying. It was Feta inside the ball. Everyone stand up, Imp said, and if you fuck with me, I'm opening this thing. Don't, please don't. Why? I asked again, my eyes on Sater. The real satyr. I would have been content to wait, to procrastinate until we ran out of time. But you came. Satyr. It's for love in the end. Prettiest of all pursuits. Arrogance, greed, even revenge. They're nobler, trust me. I've walked those roads. But love? It twists all the other things. Makes you misstep. Makes you irrational. Makes you impatient above all. We couldn't have gone down there without getting revenge without falling to our greed and arrogance. So I was willing to wait, to sit back and put it off, tell myself that we didn't have the firepower, we didn't have the numbers we needed to take on the group at the stairwell. Wait until it was too late. You were willing to die? Shadowstalker asked. She sounded offended. Better than being the ones who pull the trigger, dash our last hopes, Sater said. You can put down that sphere, Imp. Imp hesitated, then lowered the sphere. She locked it, with the vents open so Sveta could speak. I don't understand, I said. And you probably won't, if you're lucky. I've said it all out loud, so the lie isn't worth it now. You can go. We'll stand by. You're fucking head games. You're gonna stab us. Weaver, he said, 
and there was no pretense in his voice. No joking tone or trace of mockery. Talking straight. Go. They're almost through. He is right, Skitter. Lung growled the words. I can hear him. Lung was looking the way we'd come. Scion, here, on this floor. I thought I could see the golden light, but it might have been a spot in my vision from looking at Lung with his burning hands. If we go, there won't be any escape routes. No exit. It was as insane as anything Sater was doing. Everything Rational said to go upstairs, to find our way to the doorway, hoped that Scion was still half-blind, still holding back. But I turned, running for the stairwell with the Case 53s, away from Scion. I ran hard enough that I couldn't spare the breath. I spoke with my swarm. Go upstairs if you want to. Give them a way out. I could hear the others behind me at varying distances. I could sense Sater's group with my swarm. They held their ground as Scion approached. I don't understand. The others were following. If you come, there's no way out. This isn't even a Hail Mary. It's a hope that there's maybe something we can do. A chance buried in a chance. We came face to face with the group that had been working their way through the steel. A mole man, an extreme deviation case that seemed to be made up of lasers, with her petrified body parts capping the ends. The others, dead. Satyr's clones littered the area where they'd brutally fought and killed several of the digging capes. Where they died, they withered. With Scion on our heels, we couldn't afford the time to fight. Lung, Shadowstalker, and Rachel tackled the ones who remained. A crossbow bolt delivered to the cranium of the laser girl, dogs attacking the mole man. Lung's claws and flames to assist with both. Without my asking, Cuff jumped into the hole. Imp followed. One by one, we passed inside. Golden light flared in the massive room we'd just left behind. No rumble, no devastation, nothing of the sort. But I could guess what had happened, even if I didn't understand it. Gollum was blocking off the path to us while the others made their way down. Lung, Canary, then Rachel and her dogs. Hands of concrete barred the way, and two larger hands extended from the column, fingers knitting together to form a fence. It wouldn't hold Scion for seconds, but it was something. Three of us remained. Gollum, getting ready to descend. Me, watching the rear. And Shadowstalker. Our eyes met. She bolted, disappearing through the wall. I headed down, with Gollum following right behind. 